Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Kings and kingdoms can all pass away. Mm, the name of Jesus. That's what it's all about. Not just this season. It's what it's all about all the time. Today we get to talk about Jesus and his joy. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word or follow along on the screen as we read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. I actually preached out of Hebrews not long ago, and we, we talked about the fact that the book of Hebrews is all about how Jesus is better, how Jesus is greater, how Jesus is higher. Everything about Jesus is better than the old way, the old covenant, the new covenant that came in when the Messiah entered this world, just is better. And the verse we read today comes from a quote from the Old Testament, a messianic psalm back in the book of Psalm, I think it was chapter 45. And the whole psalm is is all about the coming Messiah. And the author of Hebrews here gives us uh, some quotes to really remind us what Jesus is all about. If you're physically able, would you please stand in honor and reverence of the reading of God's Word. Hebrews 1.9 you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Let's pray. Father, I pray today, God, that you would help us to understand the oil of joy, the oil of gladness that was poured out upon your Son. God, help us to not only appreciate it, but to strive for it, to live it, that others may see Jesus in us. Take your word, the reading, and the proclamation of it. And God, do something powerful. Do something mighty as you work among us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The author of Hebrews, as he quotes from the Old Testament, talking about the Messiah, he said, God has poured out on you the oil of gladness. It's an, the imagery here is of anointing. 
And in the Old Testament, we know that the anointing had a very spiritual, specific meaning. Now, in the, in the common days, oil was used for medicinal purposes. But also, there was a spiritual significance when God was marking out someone for his service. And so, we are very familiar with David and how he was anointed to be the future king, and, and so on and so forth. So many times that anointing process meant the hand of God. We even use that uh, in, in, in terms, uh, spiritual terms today. If we talk about that song was anointed or that message was anointed, what we mean by that is that God was all over it. His spirit was just poured out. Now, if you see the screen, the picture there of the oil of gladness, um, just, just kind of one drop coming out. But I want to tell you that this verse tells us that God poured out the oil of gladness or the oil of joy. It trans- can be translated either way. More than all his companions, that is, more than everyone else, Jesus has joy. I don't know if you think of jo- Jesus as being joyful. Attitudes towards Jesus have changed a lot over the years. If you watch a, an old movie about Jesus, he's going to be kind of very stern and, and everything. I, I, in fact, I remember the first time I ever watched a movie about Jesus where he wasn't stern, where he was kind of happy and enjoyable. And I was like, whoa, this must be some liberal Jesus. I don't know about this Jesus. This, this is not the way I've always pictured Jesus because I guess I thought about those times when he was cracking the whip and, and running those money changers out of the temple and thought about the times he was confronting the Pharisees. But I didn't really think, and I, it took me a while to go back and to discover that the overall picture of Jesus was, in fact, a picture of joy. And the both Old and New Testament confirm that picture that's given to us in the New Testament, that he had the oil of gladness, the oil of joy poured out more than any other. So if you want to say that joy was something that could physically be poured out, don't take that image of one drop. Think about the last football game you saw where those players grabbed that Gatorade and they ran up behind that coach and they doused him and that coach was so glad, right? No, well, he pretended to be glad, right? But he was so glad that he won. And think about Jesus having joy in his life. It's not just a drop. Jesus got doused in joy. He was anointed in joy. In fact, some people connect this verse with the baptism of Jesus and where he was immersed in water, but also immersed by the Holy Spirit as he came up. We know that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. So that's the main setting, that idea about joy that we're going to talk about today is Jesus had the oil of joy, the oil of gladness more than anybody else. So now what I want us to talk about today is why is that joy so important to us? Why does it matter to us other than simply recognizing, and that's a big deal, understanding that Jesus was a person of joy. How does it affect us today? Why is it essential to us as Christians? Three things I want us to talk about. The first thing is that having joy in our lives links us to Jesus. 
having joy in our lives, links us to Jesus. It associates us with him. Aren't we called Christians because people in Antioch started calling the believers there little little Christ? The word became Christian. People understood these people are living just the way that this guy named Jesus Christ lived. And that's the whole idea about us being Christians is that we follow Jesus. We see his example. We walk with him. We want to be like him. Remember in Galatians 5, and 23, we get that list of the fruit of the Spirit. That is, these are the things that are produced in our lives when we are walking in tune with the Spirit of Jesus, when we are walking and living the way we ought to live as believers. Now, the first one on that list is love. And, and, and that's probably the greatest thing that we, word we can use uh, to describe God. God is love, the Bible says. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God is love, and God's great love for us caused him to send his son Jesus to come for us. But the second thing on that list is joy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things are things that come out of us as the Spirit is working through us. So just right behind, barely in second place after love, and remember Jesus said, by, all men, by, by this all men will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. All right? So the number one identifier is are you a person of love? But secondly, are you a person of joy? Because when joy marks your life, joy associates you with Jesus. It's not something that the Bible says, all right, go joy up. Go strain real hard and grimace and work and you can build up some joy. That's not how we, we don't get more joy by determining I'm going to be more joyful. We get more joy by getting closer to Jesus. We get more joy by walking and living in a relationship with him. And as his spirit works through us and as we listen, as we learn, as we just give our heart to God, not only we become more people of love, but we become people of joy. So joy is so important to us as believers first because it associates us with Jesus. If he was the champion of joy, or as the Old Testament put it, if he had the oil of gladness above all his companions, that means he was the number one undisputed heavyweight title of joy for all times, then if we're going to be like Jesus, then our lives should reflect joy. Secondly, joy comes from a good heart. Did you know that? Joy comes from a good heart. Let's look at our verse again. Hebrews 1.9 says, You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all your companions. The author of Hebrews is telling us, you know why Jesus had more joy than anybody else? Because he had a right heart. 
He had a heart that loved the things of God. He had a heart that, that loved the justice, that loved righteousness like God loved righteousness. He hated injustice. He hated lawlessness. He hated seeing people uh, being abused and neglected and abandoned. And he loved the right things and he hated the right things. In other words, his heart was right. His heart was where it needed to be. And joy is an outflow, an overflow of a heart. And Jesus talked, to, talked about this a whole lot about our words, how they come, they kind of bubble up from the heart. And eventually we can, we can zip our lips around the right people sometimes, but eventually somebody's going to hear words that come out of our mouth. It may only be our best buds or it may just be our family or, or somebody, but eventually our words come out and show what's on the inside in our heart. And Jesus told us that, well, guess what? Our, our attitudes are very similar. That is, they come from the heart. And Hebrews here, we see Jesus was a person of joy because he had a heart like God's. He had a heart like his father's where he loved the things that were good, the things that blessed people, the things that encouraged people, the things that, that did right by people. But those things that oppressed others, those things that were unjust, he couldn't stand those things, not because he was morally better than them, but because he saw the wrong and the harm and the heartache that those things caused. If we're people of joy, it's going to be because we see God and his kingdom and what's right. And, and, and hope is really involved here. Because remember, we don't just see what is currently going on in the world around us, because that can be real depressing. But we see what God has promised us, what he has spoken as truth that is invisible to the naked eye, but is truth nonetheless of God's kingdom and the day that he's coming again and the day he's going to make everything right. And joy comes as we trust and believe and as our heart, mind, and spirit as, as they grow increasingly closer to God in his heart. And then third, joy is greater than tragedy. Or you could put joy is greater than hardship. You guys are probably like me that you, uh, you woke up yesterday and at some point when you looked at your phone or turned on your TV, uh, you were devastated by what had happened uh, to those folks in Kentucky and other places with the storm. I mean, we're, we're, not, uh, we're not strangers to, to bands of weather and tornado coming across, right? I think hopefully, no matter where we were, we could identify and connect with their tragedy. But in our area, we have seen many times over the years how these storms can come through and you think you're fine and then the next day everything is gone. And we know that over 70 people have lost their lives and countless hundreds, maybe even thousands, have had their things destroyed. And that's heartbreaking to know what has happened. But Jesus has a word to say about that. One day, Jesus went into a synagogue, and he read a scripture 
And when he sat down after reading the scripture, he said, Today, this word is fulfilled in your presence. And that scripture was from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. And listen, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Beauty for ashes is one of my most favorite verses, one of my first favorite phrases in all the Bible. I think it's one of the most beautiful, precious phrases. Beauty from ashes. All of us at some point in life have experienced loss. And uh, some of us have been through literal fires. And we've come to find our house or maybe a friend or a relative's house that had all of their possessions, all their pictures, all their belongings. And literally there was nothing but smoke and ashes left. And it's such a devastating picture. And yet, Our Savior came to bring beauty from ashes. And I don't know what those ashes are in your life, if they are financial hardship or even bankruptcy. Maybe there's somebody that you lost. Maybe a relationship devastated. Maybe a health issue that you just can't overcome. But we've all got ashes. And God said he sent his son, the Messiah, to bring beauty from those ashes. And understanding that we serve a God with that care and with that power fundamentally changes our outlook on life. Do we still mourn and cry and grieve when the ashes come in our life? Absolutely. But as the Apostle Paul said, we do not grieve as those without hope. There is an element in our lives, a reality of hope, a reality there is something greater than what we can see here in the physical realm, that God is doing more, and that in the end, it will all be right because he is the great and mighty judge, and he wills it to be so. He will take care of it. As Job, as, as we hear in the words of Job, will not the judge of all the earth or all the world do what is right? In fact, in that same book of Hebrews where we started out, we moved from chapter 1 to chapter 12. And we see how this personally affected the life of Jesus himself. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore also... As we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and he's talking about the saints that had gone on before. They're not in the race anymore, but they're watching the race. 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And listen to this. What was Jesus, the one that we follow, the one that we seek to emulate? What was his motivation? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. More than any of us, Jesus knew tragedy, and Jesus knew heartache, and Jesus knew trials. And so he understands. He understands your pain and my pain. He understands what we're going through. And yet he understood that there is a reality that is even greater than that pain and greater than that heartbreak and greater than those ashes. And so the Bible tells us, for the joy that was set before him, just like we're being told Jesus is set in front of you. The saints are around you in the stadium and they're cheering you on and our eyes are to be on Jesus. They talk about Jesus and his eyes were on the joy set in front of him. And what was that joy? All you have to do is look around. Left and right and front and behind. The joy that was set before Jesus is all of the brothers and sisters that he would receive into his kingdom. And so he would go through a mock trial. He would go through scourging and beating and mocking. And he would go all the way to the cross. And he would bear the sins of all mankind, suffering in a way that we cannot even imagine. Because he knew that beyond that pain... There was joy. Beyond that, God, the Father, had something. And that he knew that by God's power, he from, would rise from that grave on the third day. And he knew that he would ascend to heaven. He knew that he would be sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, interceding for us today. And he knew that millions upon millions would come to him in faith and join in his heavenly family. And that joy... Seeing that ahead got him through the cross. Did it hurt? Was it hard? Oh, yeah. Remember those tears that were tears like blood in the garden? Remember as he said, Father, if it be thy will, can you take this cup? Remember on the cross where he said, God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was no show. That was no play. That was, that, that was no pretend act like he know, knew what we were going through. He suffered like us and far beyond us. But for the joy that was set before him, the joy of the Lord, he was able to endure. And so he himself, as he experienced the beauty of the glorious resurrection and his ascension, to the right hand of the Father. He calls upon us to walk with him in joy. 
whatever our sadness, sorrow, or heartache may be, joy is ahead of us. Not long ago, Denise and I were in a crowd of people, and I'm going to keep this intentionally vague, um, but we were in a crowd of people, and um, we were kind of being a little, I don't know, maybe sickeningly sweet. I don't know what it was, but we were kind of cuddled up a little bit. We were kind of, you know, the kind of thing we do to make our uh, college-age children go, Mom, Dad, why you got to do that? We just, I don't know, we're kind of sick and twisted. We enjoy getting that reaction out of them, I guess. And, but uh, we, we were just kind of loving on each other, and, and somebody that we were around... Uh, a young uh, woman in her 30s, and, and she was single, and she ended up uh, commenting later. She said, uh, I want what y'all have. You know, she was out there looking, hoping that the right one would come along. And Denise and I got home, and she said, uh, she said wasn't, that, wasn't that something? And I said, yeah, that was sweet. And then Denise said, now, it's a good thing. She said, I want what y'all have not looked at me and said, what, what you have? Because she said then, the claws would have come out. I kind of like that. Kind of made me feel a little good. But, uh, but really, that, that young lady saw something in us that she desired to have. Now, that's on an emotional, relational level. But that's what should be true of us on a spiritual level. That people look at our lives and they see a spirit of love and of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And again, none of us are good enough to work those things up on our own. If we have them, it means that it's the Holy Spirit working through us. The joy of Jesus is something we need to invite into our lives as we invite Jesus to be deeper and fuller and richer in our lives and to let his grace and mercy flow through us. Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, you're so good. You are so mighty and awesome. And God, you take the tragedies of our life and you work them together for our good. You weave all of these things, the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, you weave them into our lives to make us more like Jesus, to bring glory to your name and to bring goodness to your people. And God, we often cannot see it at the time in the moment, but Lord, may we look at what is set before us, the joy of the Savior that we will walk into his presence one day, the joy of serving, of hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant, and even the joy of knowing that whether we see it or not, that there are others watching our lives, God. And that we can bring glory to you simply by honoring you and reflecting you to a world that's around us. A world that is so hurting and and so hopeless that needs to see your light. Let us be those lights, God. 
Father, would you uh, bless now this time of response. As we simply talk to you, God, as we simply pour out our hearts to you about our hurts and our pains and our hopes, and Lord, may we seek wisdom, may we confess where we failed you. God, may we just simply do whatever we can do to draw closer to you in this time. God, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be down at the front if you need prayer or or if you have a public decision to make. But you respond. You do business with God wherever it's at in your life. Maybe you've got something that, quite frankly, has stolen your joy. And you need to talk to God about that. And you've been pushing it under the rug for a long, long time. But the joy just isn't there. And God wants to restore that joy in your life. And it may be, it may be a matter of obedience. It may be a matter of forgiveness. It may be a matter of reconciliation. I don't know what it is, but God may have a step for you. Because he wants you to be a person of joy. That is his will. That is his goal. That is his desire in your life. And I hope that you will choose his best. Would you stand, please?